Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Okay, Dex, quick question. Sunday, Colts, Vikings, how many Corona Heart Seltzers, and what's the variety pack going to look like? Well, I think I'll probably start with the mango. I don't know why I'm feeling mango because I have two bland quarterbacks in Phillip Rivers and Kirk Cousins. They need a little spice in my life and they need a little flavor. So I think I'm going to go with the mango to start. But you can't go wrong with blackberry lime, the traditional lime, or even cherry. How many d- during the course of, of a game and then to do our uh, post-game audio video now, Ventline right. show, how many heart seltzers can be worked in comfortably where you're feeling good and doing a good job. Well, you can go all four verts. And I don't. I only go four verts See, when like things go wrong. Thing. I wanted the four verts. The four verts, Corona hard seltzers, when things go catastrophically wrong, which is what happened in week one against the Packers, Judd. But I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Mango because I really do think the Vikings will take care of the Colts. And this episode of Purple Daily is powered by Corona hard seltzer. Corona hard seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right, Dex, and it is Colts-Vikings on Sunday. And to preview the game from the Colts end, now we are going to talk to Stephen Holder, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for The Athletic. First off, Stephen, your surprise at the at the Colts going to Jacksonville, a team that, you know, was supposedly go, going to be all in on the tank uh, and trying to uh, get Trevor Lawrence and coming away with a 27-20 loss in Jacksonville. Yeah, surprising, for sure. I mean, I picked them to win and probably win handily. I think the problem is, frankly, when I went back and watched it, it actually made a lot of sense, as bad as it looked <laughs> on paper. It, it certainly made a lot of sense when you watch it and watch it closely because the Colts outplayed them in just about every facet. Uh, it was one of the weirdest games I've seen in terms of it being lopsided statistically, uh, but I think that is really the essence of football, right? It's, it's those yes. three or four plays you don't make or three or four plays you do make, and, and that's where the game was won. So uh, still bullish, slightly bullish on the Colts, but that can't happen. So what what were the plays in particular that you thought undermined uh, the Colts the most, and are, are they, as coaches, Stephen, like to say, easily correctable, or are they cause for concern, do you think? Right. So a couple of things I would say. Number one, uh, Philip Rivers, the two interceptions he threw, I thought were just not okay, just not really forgivable. And he, he made, in one instance, he stared the receiver down, can't do that, as experienced as he is. He knows better. And then the other one, he threw in double coverage, and that's just the sort of thing that the Rivers has been 
known to do over the years. So I think they're going to have to live with some of that with Philip Rivers, right? But they could have still overcome it. I still think you're talking about a situation where on the final drive, for example, they're going into tie, and T.Y. Hilton drops two balls in the red zone. Unheard of, right? So yes. that's not something I think is going to be a recurring situation. It did happen, and he should be criticized accordingly. But that's a guy, I give him some benefit of the doubt, right? That that's not going to happen on a weekly basis. Uh, not getting a fourth and one uh, inside the five-yard line, running behind Quentin Nelson, right? That's not going to be a, a weekly occurrence either. So all of these sort of uh, all, the, all these sort of plays sort of snowballed on him, and, and it ended up not being enough in the end, not to mention uh, allowing Gardner Minshew to go 19 for 20 without throwing six balls. He threw six balls beyond the first down marker in the entire game. Wow. How does that even happen? So it was just a very, very bizarre game. Steven, what about uh, that Colts offensive line? I know is is one of the better ones in the league. And yes, last week the Vikings had an uh, an awful lot of trouble trying to get on Aaron Rodgers, especially with Daniil Hunter out. Uh, do, do you feel like the Colts offensive line should be able to uh, keep him upright again here uh, this Sunday against the Vikings? So that was one of the bright spots in this game. I would say in Week One was the pass protection was outstanding, completely spotless pocket for the most part. Uh, for Phillip Rivers. He was sacked once, held the ball a little bit. That happens. But I really thought the pass protection was something to build on. Now, the offensive line, I thought, underperformed in terms of run blocking. I didn't think that was very good at all. And that was a little bit of a surprise. I think that was a, a in the loss as well. They, they just really didn't do a good job, I thought, winning in the running game. So, very surprised by that. But certainly, if you're talking about pass protection, I think they're up to the task here against Minnesota. They did a great job, and, and that's where they've really been, I think, outstanding the last couple of years, too. On Phil at QB, uh, what is the long-term plan there? Because, you know, he's probably got, what, a year left here or so? Um, maybe a couple. What is the plan there as far as the eventual transition at uh, the quarterback spot? The plan is in flux, <laughs> okay, to be completely honest. And so here's the thing with Phillip Rivers is basically in a situation where this is a one to two year experiment, right? And he's a placeholder for whatever comes next. He's not the ultimate solution. He was just the best they could do right now. And I think this all goes back to August 24th of 2019, where Andrew Luck gets up there and tells the world he's retiring unexpectedly, right? So no one was prepared for that, as you can imagine. And then, I guess the past year and a half has been spent trying to figure out what's next. The Colts looked at the quarterback class in this last draft and really weren't that enamored with any of the players within their reach. Uh, so they just kind of waited and took a flyer on Jacob Eason in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I like what I see from this kid. He's got some tools, but is he the future franchise quarterback? We're nowhere near being able to answer that question. So really the Colts are in a wait and see position. And I think it will just, They'll, they'll reevaluate after the season and, and see what's within their reach and go from there and, and sort of reevaluate Rivers as well. Gotcha. The the move of of bringing in, Stephen, the potentially washed-up veteran QB should have the Vikings insignia by it because I can't tell you how many times in this town we, we have seen. And you know what? With Favre in 2009, it worked perfectly. But I can't tell you the, the amount of times through the years that this town has seen guys who used to be 
uh, good at least, if not great sometimes, and you try and go back to that that well. And I can tell you from firsthand experience of watching it, there are times where it turns out to be a complete train wreck. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> the grass is not always greener, right? And then right. there's also another sort of lesson, you know, that is these teams let these quarterbacks go for a reason generally, <laughs> okay? And, look, I'm, I'm not – I'm not the expert on Tom Brady, but I do wonder, right? How is that going to go in, in Tampa? That's another example, right? I don't know that – I think so far of all the, the veteran quarterbacks who have found new homes this year, Cam Newton's probably the guy who, who's acquitted himself the best so far, right? And, and he was the guy who maybe people had the least expectations for. So it's just kind of funny how that works out. But I, I do agree with you. I think that you have to be careful in those situations, and you have to understand those players are available for a reason. I still think Phillip Rivers is going to be very productive this year. They did put up uh, tons of yardage last week. I mean, they were, I think, number three in yards uh, of all teams week one. But that doesn't necessarily fully give you the entire picture. And as I said, those two received, those two interceptions were really, really costly. Steven, too, obviously the Vikings, uh, young cornerbacks, they, they, they let go of Xavier Rhodes, they let go of Trey Waynes, they have an inexperienced uh, group, group there, and last week Aaron Rodgers had no problem p- basically uh, dissecting uh, the Vikings defense, and although Aaron Rodgers may be still on an upper echelon and, and a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers, but I have to imagine Phillip being a veteran quarterback is probably going to be circling a few cornerbacks uh, here and there and, and picking apart the Vikings defense when he can. Yeah, they really, I think, made some plays in week one in the passing game that they can build upon. So I would look for that to continue, and there's no reason uh, that shouldn't be the case. I think they had some advantages that way against the Jacksonville secondary as well, you know, some some youth there as well, and they took advantage of that. C.J. Henderson did step up at the end. I thought had a really strong second half, and he looks like the first-round pick, he looks like he's going to be a good player, but uh, but certainly – they really tested that young tactical secondary. You also have this sort of uh, angle, which is that T.Y. Hilton, as I mentioned earlier, two drops in the final series, critical c- critical drops in that game. He said this week <laughs> that uh, he's really ready to make amends, and he says they better be ready for him because I'm ready to I'm ready to just go out there and have a better game. So uh, he has been very demonstrative in his statements. Now I know players say a lot of things, but. But T.Y. Hilton has my history of covering him. Uh, he tends to back it up when he when he ventures out there and says those kinds of things. So they're going to be looking to get him involved. He had four catches on nine targets. Not a great day for him. And I know they expect to to have more production and more efficiency when going to T.Y. Hilton. Two drops, just rust. Do you think? Maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's part of it. And I, I don't know. I, I guess that's. That's one particular, that's one possible explanation, I should say. Um, you know, I, I do think players like that don't play a lot in the preseason, but this was also a very different sort of preseason. At least, you know, you, yes. over the course of four games, those guys at least get a, you know, get two or three quarters of actual live bullets, right? And, and even, yep. even guys who don't play that much. But to have none of it, I think maybe that is a factor. I also think that, the T.Y. Hilton in, in training camp, uh, I didn't see him get as much work as I normally see from him. So so I wonder about that as well. So, well, we'll see. I, I think he'll come back strong. He's not a guy I worry about historically. If he does it again, 
then uh, maybe we need to have a different conversation. Hey, how, how does Rhodes look, and what's his role there? Because I can tell you that that Rhodes's Rhodes's prime here, Stephen, was Pro Bowl, probably like top five, top eight corner in the league. His last two years and uh, 2019 in particular were uh, painful to watch. I think that's putting it kindly. Yeah, I would say this: he's not off to a spectacular start. Okay. And the reason I say that is because he had uh, defensive pass interference in this game that was costly, and he had uh, a play where he gave up a touchdown, frankly, in man coverage. He he got caught looking at the play action, which he never should have done. Yeah, And you can see it on the film. He's looking in the backfield, looking at, at the running back. He takes a step towards the line, yep. and meanwhile, the receiver's out the back door, and he just couldn't catch up to him. And you saw his fellow defensive backs with their arms in the air after the receiver crossed the goal line. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, that, oh my gosh, bad play. Yeah, we saw that really last year. Play. I was going to say we saw that. That that actually reminds me of a play against the Seahawks in Seattle. Exact same thing. Uh, Rhodes got absolutely beat badly for a touchdown, and the the lasting image of Rhodes off that play was him being beat his hands his arms like opened up looking at the safety Harrison Smith like I thought you had him and it was and 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 Rhodes, I can't tell you like for a two or three or four year period how good this guy was and it's really sad but I think that that you just in describing the play in Jacksonville on Sunday hit on the very key thing which is he's just lost like those two steps, and at that point you probably go from being an elite corner to being pretty darn close, unfortunately, to washed up. You know, and and as you're saying that, it made me think of something that that may be part of this explanation. That maybe partly explains this, and it's when you're at the top of your game and you're an elite athlete, you can make up for those mistakes, right? Maybe he he can recover and maybe catch that receiver in that situation. You know, when you're 24, <laughs> but now you're 29, you've had some injuries. You're not the same guy. Yep. You can't cover that up necessarily uh, as good as you used to. I think that may be a factor here too. But really, the other thing is he's just got to play more disciplined at this point. I mean, he's got to understand what he is physically, because I think if he does that, he eliminates a lot of this. Right? If he just plays disciplined football and just plays assignments. He can eliminate a lot of this. I don't know. I obviously am not the expert on his, his previous seasons, but but certainly I wonder if Xavier Rhodes was maybe a guy who who played a little bit unstructured, and maybe sometimes you're so good you can make players doing that. Bingo. Right? I, uh, a lot yes. of elite players can do that, you know. But I don't think he's that guy now. He's got to play the assignment and be disciplined. Exactly right. Last thing, in your opinion. Does Andrew Luck ever play in the National Football League again? I am adamant and consistent with my answer. No, he doesn't. And the reason I say that is, you know, I spent seven years covering, you know, all kinds of travails with his soldier and uh, and, and certainly other issues with him. And, and, you know, that comeback from that, it was just excruciating. So I didn't come all the way back from it and play great in 2018. They make the playoffs, won a playoff game. Uh, great, great story, right? Yes. Uh, the problem is, if you know me into luck, and I feel like I know him pretty well, as much as anybody will know him, right? He <laughs> doesn't really let you in. But as much as, as anybody could know him, 
I know that Andrew Luck is his life is bigger than football, and it always has been. And that concludes today's Purple Daily. Once again, thank you to uh, Stephen Holder from the Athletic for joining us to talk about the uh, Colts and the Vikings. His answers on Xavier Rhodes prove that a player can change teams, but nothing can change with that player. We'll talk to you later.